0: Previously on Something Who. Welcome to the podcast where we take something old, a Doctor Who story from the original series, compare it with something new, one from the new series, and add something borrowed to make Something Who. Hello, I'm Richard, and we're back with Something Who podcast, where this time we're looking at two stories that introduce new companions. We'll look at First Doctor story, The Rescue, from season two, And after that we'll examine The Eleventh Doctor's debut in The Eleventh Hour from Series 5. And with us this time we have writer Simon Gerrier, well known for writing works of both fiction and non-fiction, and making contributions to the Doctor Who DVD and Blu-ray ranges. And currently he's the author of David Whittaker in An Exciting Adventure with Television, which tells the little-known story of the man who was Doctor Who's first story editor, and also a prolific writer of quality stories from the show's first decade. Simon, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Well, it's exciting for all of us, I think. Yeah, we've got. We've got I think we've got a good, a good choice of subject matter in honour of your um, appearance here. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's thrilling. I'd never really thought about the rescue and the eleventh hour, but
1: actually sitting and watching them together, I've spotted all sorts of things that kind of cross between them. Um, so yeah yeah really interesting thing to do fantastic
0: we've also got science and astronomy writer Giles evening it's been a while yeah it has yeah and we've also got our resident storyteller Paul yes our, our resident storyteller yes hello nice to meet you all again <laughs> move on to the 11th hour which was written by stephen moffat and directed by adam smith it's actually 64 minutes but it's it's just over an hour yeah. if you take off that lengthy trailer at the end so you, you know I mean, we're, 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 we'll let him off and naturally for something who i haven't seen this since original broadcast no and I have to say, I was a bit sniffy about it. I have been for, what What was it, 2010? So so for the last 13 years, I've been a bit... Mm. And actually, I don't know why, because I watched it uh, a couple of days ago, and I quite enjoyed it. So it must just have been, I don't know, what f- wasn't feeling at the time. Maybe in knowing what was going to happen and having different expectations, it, it worked better. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I thought it's going to be bad and then it would turn out to be better. And next time I watch it, I'm thinking it's going to be good and then it'll turn out... Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Anyway, I'll shut up now and let some of you speak.
1: Stunned silence. I quite liked it. I liked it when it went out. I think mm. the things that struck me watching it again, and I have seen it several times uh, since. I, I did the... Uh, tweet along viewing Mm -hmm. I watched it with my son in 2020 and have watched bits of it to pick out bits of detail and things the thing that really Mm -hmm. struck me now was how the CG has not aged particularly well
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so it looks quite dated when it does the big stuff and yet all the character stuff all the, the actors and things works really well and yeah, I mean, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan are both really good in this and Arthur Darville and uh, the name of the guy who played Cully in The Dominators who I've forgotten his name but all the cast are really good in this It's it's, a, it's some great little vignettes for some really good character actors so all of that is great fun what I found really interesting watching this in the same breath as The Rescue is it's got that same sense of fun adventure a scary monster who doesn't seem to play by the rules it's Mm. got it's all about an orphan girl who is trying to be tough and independent but actually could do with some support and help yeah and it's really charming and really fun and the doctor gets to be a hero and has a big heroic bit at the end So structurally, I thought that was all very interesting. And I'd never have made that connection in a million years if you hadn't asked me to do this. So (laughs) thank you very much. How amazing to have Olivia Coleman in Doctor Who playing a monster. What I I really like about it is um, when I first started writing stuff for... When I was pitching to BBC Books before they took me on, Justin Richards in one of his various rejection letters to me, and they were very kind, and he took a lot of time to explain where I wasn't quite getting it right. But one of the things he said is, um, I kind of put in a twisty plot into something, and he said what you kind of want with a twisty plot is that when you're reading it for the first time, you think it's zigging and zagging left and right, and you're never quite sure where it's going. But when you get to the end and you look back down the route you've come it's a straight corridor. Right. And I, you know, that's a really good thing for that's how, that's how this kind of twisty thriller should be. Mm. And Stephen does that. Stephen Moffat does that really, really well. And this is a very good example of that. And he kind of does things where he sets up hero moments for the new doctor and then undercuts, undercuts them. So there's a bit where the Doctor's standing out in the park and lifts his Sonic to the sky. And that should solve the problem. And then it doesn't, and he's got to come up with something else. So it's a mm. series of these, these kind of false starts, basically, for the Doctor. And then that last bit where he he confronts the Etraxi is, is so there's such swagger to it, and such confidence, and love it, and how lovely to to establish Matt Smith by showing us all the previous Doctors. So it feels very much like it's within a, a, a kind of continuity that that Doctor Who didn't start and stop with David Tennant so yeah i I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching it again. There's so many funny, fun things in it, everything from yeah. jokes to Doctor Who being excited as he drives a fire engine. that's quite mm. fun <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, and so yeah i i I don't really have anything else to say that other than it kind of spoke to my inner child, really.
3: Goodness, Charles should go next. <laughs>
2: Oh, drop me in it. No, I, I've, I've always had a soft spot for this. I've certainly watched it a few times since transmission. Yeah, I, I really f- like series five, at least as as a coherent series. It feels like it all hangs together. It does feel like it just hits, hits all those right notes. I mean, it's, maybe it's a bit self indulgent in places, and I felt like the the direction went a bit ott. In a few places, some of the sort of you know, long tracking shots stuff and so on is a bit is a bit overly showy for my preferences. But yeah, so in the, yeah, very strong echoes of yeah the rescue. Just that it's a clever way of setting everything up. And yeah, I, I just think it, it just does a really good job of job of it. And it's funny with what Simon was saying about um, right. that undercutting. Of, you know, the Doctor's hero moments and so on. I remember when we back when we did Deep Breath, in that case I felt like it went they he did the same trick and it hadn't occurred to me that he's doing the same thing here, Moffat. And in the case of Deep Breath it felt like it was it went just that you know it went that bit too far that whenever they built up the Doctor to have a heroic moment, they would undercut it with a gag instead and have it just you know, so it felt like he never really got to have his heroic moment at all. Whereas here here you get them and they don't always they don't always work out until until right at the end. But you know, it does it does just do it very well selling that selling that concept of okay, you know, we've got this massive hurdle to overcome in potentially convincing convincing viewers that you know, they want to so it's ah, yeah it's yes. kind of the same mm. Same challenge as the rescue faced in some ways with introducing you know you've you've had a a fairly a major change to what people have been used to as the status quo for a long time and you have to you, you have to do that thing of you know sell it on the idea that yes you you want to spend time with this character and find out what you know what's going to happen and you don't necessarily want it all to be too spiky and difficult and make you know you don't want to give people a a chance to tune out and say, well, that was good while it's good. It was good while the other guy was in it or the other, you know, the other actress in Caroline Ford's case, you know, was in it. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of Stephen Moffat's best scripts because although it's ziggy zaggy, it does, you know, it is pretty straightforward in its own way as well. And I feel like certainly Mm. some people were, you know, (laughs) increasingly put off by the complications that, By things becoming overly complicated as plots went on, but I'll shut up now. It's a bit of each, isn't it? It's Mm.
3: uh, it's it's a the main plot is straightforward, but he has a lot of wrinkles in the telling. I was just mulling over why it feels. I'm just making this up as I go along. I'm sorry about this. Mulling over why it feels different. I was going to say, the way it builds to the Doctor's big heroic moment at the end is, I suppose, similar to other first episodes for new doctors mm. christmas invasion. but on the other hand it's all very different to christmas invasion one important way which is the doctor is there very present very active mm. in your face right from the beginning mm. i suppose the obvious reason for this is because this is the first we've had <laughs> we've had rose where we have to see which is introducing the whole show to a new audience so we see everything through her eyes then we've had christmas invasion where we know rose but we don't have a new doctor so he has to take a back seat we've we've had we've introduced companions and doctors before but this is the first time since the beginning that we've had to introduce both at the same time and, and so he literally does that we do get both of them at the same yeah. time and uh, the choice to um give us <laughs> to ease us into amy by giving us a sort of semi amy a slightly different amy mm. is interesting. is it's interesting because we she's present so we know she's going to be important from the beginning but it's not quite her so we get to it's not it's not she comes in 20 minutes in but she does if you know what I mean it's it's just cleverly he's um he's keeping all the plates spinning at the same time and making it look effortless and the other thing is that's interesting with Simon was talking about the visuals I think um I was most I mean it all looks Good to me. It's all, it's all, it all looks spiffy. But I was particularly impressed by the opening, the fairy tale quality of the opening. Mm. Is is it fair to say it's got a subtle sort of fairy tale feel? Because it's, it's not
1: subtle at all. They they use the word um, fairy tale several times in yeah, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I think I think exactly. it's trying to. There's something a bit Tim Burton about it. I think that's mm. the sensibility they're going mm. for.
0: Yeah I I I I thought Roald Dahl that was the thing that, that sprung to my mind particularly with the kind of you know the, the the foods and the fish finger custard thing that all and the fact that actually the doctor in initially is quite a scary person to young Amelia I mean he's not he's 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 not like Hartnell turning on the charm straight away he he doesn't he, he's he's he is what he is but 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 he's quite scary he's quite direct and he, you know, he doesn't do anything really to to charm her. And and in fact, towards the end, when he talks about, oh, yeah, and the thing can travel in time, then she's sort of hooked and interested. But, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely a slightly different way of going about it, I think.
1: It's it's that first sequence is the tiger who comes to tea, who, who came to tea. Oh, yeah, it and is, isn't it? Oh, is you know, it
2: that too? I thought it was what Tiggles like best. Thistles
1: are... Yeah, I, I think it's the tiger who Because it, it's the same thing if the, the the doctor, you know... Mm drinking all the water in the tap and all of mm. daddy's beer. Oh yes, mm. yeah. Yeah, G- Judith Carr was on staff at the BBC mm. in the script department when David Whittaker began, by the way. Oh um, good lord. There's a okay. there's a oh. me- there's a memo where they're both copied in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, so that fairy tale, you know, I'm not saying it's that that's not to discount to but I I like it, it's very um grounded in those kind of very familiar children's stories. Mm. Um, and and that's, it, that's a really brave thing to do. Mm. And it works brilliantly. Mm. Also, I interviewed Stephen just as he was about to leave Doctor Who. And he said right. at the time that David Tennant had considered staying on for another year. Mm. And I found myself, as I was watching this, again, for, for you guys, thinking how different would it have been if this was a David Tennant episode? Because all of that stuff at the beginning, Mm. you could probably do, admittedly, the the idea that the Doctor's taste buds and things. I mean, you know, if he'd been in a, if there'd been a fire in the TARDIS or something, you could do that Mm, kind of thing. But but that scene comes out of it being a new Doctor and having new teeth Mm. and stuff.
0: It's kind of a bit like The Unicorn and the Wasp, isn't it? So so you, we have seen something from David Tennant that's a bit like that, but much more played for laughs.
1: Yeah, I, I find, you know, would this episode exist at all in any form if David Tennant has stayed on? Or would it have just been the sort of bare bones of it? But, yeah, I, f- I find that fascinating, really fascinating.
3: Mm. I wonder... Because it is, to the extent that it is a simple st- story, it's because it's setting up introducing a new companion, isn't it? So the, the threat is the is secondary. Oh, the thing about the fairy tale aspect is that it's not gratuitous at all because it does set the tone for the well, it sets up the the finale of the season mm. where the doctor becomes a story and has to be remembered so I, it's... I
1: think also the doctor calling back the Atraxi and doing that great grandstanding moment mm. is also setting setting up the end of the series with um the mm. the trap with the pandorica yes
2: um, yeah
3: i had mm. because i don't rewatch new who as often as i should do i had forgotten i couldn't remember how much the crack storyline was thought out <laughs> in advance i'd kind of remembered it possibly being something that had uh, got Embellished as time it got on, a bit like Bad Wolf in season one, mm. but it's not, is it? It's—I uh, don't know why I would thought that. I think maybe I was getting confused with the with the idea of the silence, which I think
0: probably did. I, th- I think, in, yeah, I, th- I think year. I think but it did get, is... yeah, I, th- I think it did get slightly away from him, maybe, but but I mean, I think, but generally, I think the arc of season f- uh, series five is pretty good. It's
2: pretty pretty hard word into this because this this was Adam Smith's three episodes with this and the Angels two parts, are which I think was the first stuff, or no? Hang on, the James Gunn block was was that the first block they
1: filmed? The uh, Time of Angels was the first that they filmed. Oh, well, okay. Had, yeah. So, yeah. Right. that's, that's yeah. Matt's first one.
2: Yeah, and that's obviously because that's that does the thing of you know suddenly making the season motif for you know the season mystery suddenly becomes the Deus Ex Machina at the end of yeah at the end of the Angels two part as well, which is something we haven't seen before. So it's pretty pretty thoroughly integrated. Right across the series, I think it's just it's just the fact of not quite you know leaving it hanging and then going off chasing after possibly something a bit different from what the initial concept was when he came to came into season six, um, series six. But I tell you one one thing that occurred to me though watching it, yeah, that pre credit sequence with Matt dangling out of the TARDIS is all very well, and I can understand the urge to follow on direct from the end of end of time, but. For for me, it would be a heck of a lot better if the whole thing just started with the TARDIS crashing and Matt popping up out of
1: the box. That was a, that was a late mm. addition, that TARDIS chase thing.
0: Okay, yeah. I, I'm just thinking. I mean, that yeah, unless he's travelling back in time at that moment, this the, the, it starts in 1996, and I'm just thinking. Actually, I'm not sure that that London skyscape is appropriate. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Yeah, true. It's got a gherkin in it and things, hasn't it?
1: Well. Yeah, what 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 that means is that he's he's travelled back in time during the title mm. sequence. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Must. Yeah. Absolutely. But, of course. Of course. But, he has. But the, yes.
1: the note on an early cut of the episode was mm. we needed to start with a bit more action. Okay.
0: Mm. And so
1: that that was kind of added in late. And I totally mm. get what you're saying. I think it's a bit of a risk to have such a slow start
2: yeah I guess that's the thing it's yeah
1: so so but you can see that you can see that quite a lot. I mean, I worked on Doctor Who Adventures hmm. from october twenty ten september october twenty ten so I read the script of a Christmas carol before it went out hmm. and then was reading scripts. I think I read everything up to about it was into the Claro. Being introduced, so it was about Hyde. I think I read the Crimson Horror Mm. and the Christmas episode and stuff, and those episodes were all being made out of order, so it was uh, difficult. But that sense that they were that Stephen would write something, and then as they were making it, they'd bolt things on and extra things. So episodes were changing as they were making them.
2: Mm.
1: Is quite a my understanding is that that's you know that that was happening a bit under Russell before that, but but it became much more a, a working way of making talks of who and i i don't know how much that helps actually because it it make it tends the more you bolt on the more complicated the story becomes hmm. is my I, you know i wasn't involved but that's my feeling
3: are you talking about the sort of additions that just have an effect within that each story or things that affect the stories around them the, the, yeah so they or they, the season arc as we yeah so they
1: were they were kind of adding bits and pieces and rewriting you know and and i i don't know i just my senses from a kind of distance was that they were making the stories more complicated by adding things as they were going
3: and is that because he's got such a fertile mind and he's thinking of new ideas and thinking well once i've thought of it it's got to go in i can't not use this or did they look at them in the edit and think this is a bit simple it needs thickening up were they tinkering or meddling or... Uh...
1: I think, yeah, I think, I think it was constantly, how do we make this better? How do we make this work yeah. better? Mm. But actually maybe, I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to tell because all, mm. all I know is that I would get a script and read it and then you go, but that's not what you've made.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> and it's got mm. all of these other things that weren't in there or that speech that explains what was going on doesn't happen. So, because yeah, you've was, well, because actually you're trying to keep it moving all the time. Hmm, so that hmm. bit of exposition that really helps, and whatever, and and so fascinating for me. Well, well you know, I don't mean to criticise it. It just meant that my relationship to later Matt Smith Man. was very different. And and then the first episode that I knew nothing about after I left the magazine was the day of the Doctor. Hmm. I. Completely, just loved that because I had Mm. no idea where it was going to go or what was going to happen, and also I wasn't comparing what I was watching to what I'd read and how I'd imagined it, Mm. and all of that kind of stuff. So, so all, all, all I mean to say is that is that I find it very difficult to judge the Matt Smith stuff because it's all tied up with how I first responded to it and the mechanics of it, and I watched the Eleventh Hour kind of going. Yeah, that scene was added later. What were they picking up later? There's a there's a bit where they add a um an effect the the bit with the apple where the doctor talks to Amy and convinces her to
2: let yes, her have thirty yeah, minutes. Yeah.
1: They add a light effect to that to make it a bit more magical. Yeah. Well. Oh,
2: there's the yeah the weird lens flare there. Yeah.
1: I get too. I I I can't lose myself mm. in this in this stuff as mm. I can in other eras of Doctor Who um and that and, and that's not to criticize it that that's entirely what i'm bringing to it mm. but i yeah. find myself caught up in those kind of mechanics and and so that's why what would this be like if david tennant was there what would this be like if you know th- those kind of things mm.
0: so so time travel i mean we we've, we've had i mean right back to the arc, we have this thing where Suddenly, the, the the you know the tide just moves forward, and and the story changes as as a result. And we've had it, I guess, we've seen the the impact of this in series one as well, where the they they, they come back in Aliens of London, and it's a year later instead of a day later. So so it, it it's it's not new, and yet somehow because it's Amelia and because she's changed so completely from the small girl into the young woman. It, it sort of demonstrates the impact in perhaps a way that we haven't seen before. And is it entirely? He doesn't say, he doesn't
3: say sorry either. By the way, sorry. It's entirely a character thing. It doesn't really have any bearing on the plot
0: of the subsequent forty-five minutes, does it? Well, uh, I, I guess what what that so setting the first part twelve years earlier, what it does, I suppose, is is to have implanted the Doctor in her consciousness in a way that it couldn't have happened if they'd just met the day before. Mm. So it certainly sets up that kind of deep connection, e- even if it's a sort of, you know, connection of fury as much as is, is of, of love or affection.
1: I, I, th- I think it also makes us like the Doctor, because there's making him childlike in that way and telling it as a kind of child's fairy tale really wins us over. Mm. But you couldn't have young Amelia join him in the TARDIS on adventures. That would be you know, the that would the adventures would have to be a lot less dangerous and scary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Stephen's kind of having it both ways there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, you know, Doctor Who often is about juxtapositions, you know, aliens in the middle of a familiar street and, and things. Mm. And this is a juxtaposition of it's the same character, but she's completely different. And yeah, all of those kind of things. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun gag as much as anything. Mm. I, think, I think part of the issue is that the moment we're told that Amelia has had four psychiatrists and she's bit them and whatever, mm. we're into this thing that actually what the doctor has done to her without thinking, is quite traumatic. Hmm. And yeah. I think it's fine here because it's funny but that comes with a that sets up a whole load of baggage which is then very difficult mm. to deal with as things go on. And I'm not sure if the do- if the doctor had been her imaginary friend and that had been fun and everybody knew about her imaginary friends. And it wasn't this, you know. There, there wasn't the sort of thing of the authorities getting involved. I think <laughs> I think they could have just run with that. And and actually, maybe yeah. having an imaginary friend has made her a better person. But the senses, I think, that Amelia's a bit screwed up as an adult. And yeah, and and the longer that goes on, the that I've I I do find that a little. Um,
3: it is, it, is compli- yeah. I, it is complicated, isn't it? I have a complicated relationship with that bit because there are some parts where it's funny. I mean, I feel like the gag's coming a bit too quickly for me. It, my Watching it a second time, I'm getting, very, I'm getting very emotional watching poor Amelia getting excited and sitting on a suitcase and waiting mm. because I know where it's going. And, of course, it, he does end the fairy tale part of the story with a very... It comes in very hard with the, the um, why-did-you-say-six-months why did you say five minutes thing? It's that's supposed to hit you hard, but maybe maybe for Stephen that's enough. You do it once to to show that it is serious, but then he immediately switches to gag mode with all the stuff about psychiatrists, and then it's up and down, isn't it? So I find it hard to laugh at it until I've for, for another yeah until later in the story, and then and then when um when you <laughs> the stuff about everyone else in the village knowing about the imaginary friend lands better for me.
1: I th- I think that's great. I love the idea that the doctor arrives in this village and everybody knows who he is. Yeah. That's yeah. there's there's something really, you know, and Annette Crosby's response mm. to meeting the doctor is such delight. That's really funny. Yeah. Mm. I mm. I should also say that something that's never really occurred to me knowing that we were going to have the distinguished astronomer Giles Sparrow <laughs> on this. <laughs> I I I was kind of thinking about the the Zoom call with Patrick Moore and the other experts and stuff. Oh yes. yes. What happened to Jeff after this? I I I want to see Jeff again in some kind of senior position.
2: The Jeff Adventures, yes.
1: Mm. Yeah, or just or just you know when they have when you have your resident science expert who has to come in to a Doctor mm. Who story. Could it just be Jeff and his life has been transformed and he's some senior figure somewhere now? That would that... be a,
2: yes. Yeah, wouldn't that be a nice idea? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Coming back to to why is Amelia why is why is Amy screwed up? I mean, I suppose the other the other elephant in the room is the crack on the wall. Mm. So so I suppose you know part of the screw up is the fact that she's she's got a special friend who left her on her own. But but maybe also the fact that her parents have disappeared and sort of strange things happen in the corner of her eye is also part yeah. of it. But I mean, it doesn't make it any less any sorry any more comfortable that that she's in that position. And, and
1: also, there's something very odd about the end of the story when the doctor invites her into the tardis because as he he admits he's been traveling on his own a bit because people get hurt mm. that's that's what the end mm. of the david Tennant thing is so she mm. asks why me and as he assures her that you know it's all fun and friendly he's looking at the scanner mm. screen that's got the picture of the crack mm. so he's interest in her is motivated by trying to mm. figure her out and whatever. There's That's, something rather yeah. the, there's something rather clinical about that. Something rather mm. cold and manipulative, which happens again with Clara.
2: With Clara, yes, yes. Yeah.
1: And I really don't like that.
2: Mm. <laughs> there's, ironically, there's it's the thing that, that Paul, yeah. Ironically, it's the thing we dodged with the Paul Abbott, Paul Abbott's idea for Rose, isn't it?
1: But it's it's you know when when the doctor does that to Jamie in mm. the Evil of the Daleks. Jamie calls him out on it.
2: Mm. When mm.
1: the doctor does that to Ace in The Curse of Fenric, Ace mm. calls him out on it. Mm. And that's kind of that in those moments you get some really good drama and some whatever. Mm. That's not really what happens here, either with Amy or with Clara. Mm. And and tied up with that idea that the doctor being late, you know, and, and mm. missing years and stuff. Has damaged her. I totally get what you're saying about the crack in the wall and everything mm. else, but there's just that sense that it's the doctor
3: who's yeah. done the most damage, mm.
1: or, 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 yeah. or or is part of it, or whatever. I find all of that quite uncomfortable, not least because it's not really dealt with and confronted. Yeah,
2: mm.
1: and it's kind of played as a joke, but not really kind of got into. And there are later attempts to sort of get into the psychology and the damage of it and the, 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 the what the effects of that are. Hmm. But I, yeah, I just, I, uh, it's, it's not quite there, I think.
2: I'm trying to think how it plays out with Amy because cause Clara is sort of the definitive puzzle box companion, and you know because we meet the various various versions of her, and it's very definitely that Matt is trying to figure out, you know, that he's trying to figure out what's going on with her, but with with Amy, yes, we have that. I completely forgotten about that little picture with the scanner on the wall, the crack on the scanner at the end of there. But I'm trying to think how how much does that play into the rest of series five? So we don't really. I mean, she's grown up with this crack in the wall. Does it play out in the in the finale? Yeah, because she
1: sort because she gets her parents back and she gets mm, married. It's
3: it's like everything yeah. is sorted out.
1: Yes, and,
2: and the, ducks the are back infamous in the duck pond. bond. Yeah,
3: it's almost though it's. it's it's bad because the doctor looks at the crack on the screen for our benefit behind Amy's back. She doesn't know. Mm. It's it's a plot point for us to say this is where the rest of the season going. Remember this bit. Mm. But if he sh- and if if he brought Amy into that and if he shared his concerns over yeah. with her, at that moment, it might le- lighten the whole thing. If he's kind of like you know, so we should,
1: I should keep an eye on you, and you know, I want you to come and do tests.
2: It's partly what's dropped in by Amelia Coleman um, yeah, Amelia Coleman, what am I? <laughs> Olivia. Olivia Coleman's line that sort of seeds it, doesn't it? because she name drops the um season arc into her bit di- you know into her bit of dialogue as Prisoner Zero, doesn't she? And then that sets off sets off everything.
3: Just just a bit. So it's a
2: full Pandora open dogs and cats living together. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, you yeah, you do wonder whether that was really needed.
1: Oh, I think it's great. Cuz uh, you know, mm. Radio Times had the list of episodes. Mm. And you can see there's an episode called The Pandorica Opens. It's yes. Like, oh, this is all going to Yeah. I you know. That's really mm. exciting that that
2: idea yes, that it's all yeah.
0: cohesive that it's been
1: planned mm. out like that. Yeah. But that
2: one that one particular thing with the crack.
0: I remember listening mm. uh, list, list, on the radio. Uh, there was a radio interview kind of the week of the final episode, I think. So BBC might have been, might even have been Radio 1, I, can't, I don't, can't remember. But, you know, there was quite, there was a sort of level of excitement in the country about how, I mean, the RTD season Knox, you know, they'd all been there, but this was kind of a thing that, that people were quite interested in. It sort of really, you know, it felt like, I mean, it may not have been quite line of duty, but nonetheless, there were people who were sort of, you know, how, how's this all going to fit mm. together? How did, how's it all going to pay out in the end? Mm. Well, that. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about, oh, I talked about Roald Dell earlier on. There's, there's also a, a sort of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy moment where you're worried about what's going to happen to Amy's house. And then you sort of realize, actually, it's not the Amy's oh, house you yes. have to worry about, it's the whole yeah. Earth. I, I i suppose it's a deliberate um well or uh, it's it well, it's either deliberate or it is um unconscious because you know we we've, we've all um swallowed Guide of the galaxy when young but mm. yeah interesting it's
1: a good yeah it's, it's it's very good on the sort of escalating threat of it all because uh, you know you totally buy it that every mm. everything is at stake
2: mm.
1: i thought you know there, there's lots of stuff that that it's quite funny in retrospect. Like, there's a bit where uh, Rory has to explain that he can take photos on his phone, mm. um, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, it's like it, it, that. That's comparable to early episodes of Buffy where they have to explain what the internet is. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, this. The, the, so the, this era. I mean, the iPhone has been launched, but it hasn't. You know, the whole apps thing isn't really around at this mm. point. And there's no Instagram yet, you know, so it is it, it is a different era, you know, more than we perhaps imagine. Talking about it being a different era,
3: uh, where does it fit on the timeline of how famous Olivia Colman was? Because um, it yeah. seems like an absurdly small part for her, but I can't see, yeah, I so, can't remember, I can't put myself in 2010. No, to... she,
1: was, she was well known, so it was a bit of a coup to get her, but she wasn't, mm. she, she yeah. was yet to become wasn't a big... It. Dramatic national stuff. treasure well known for peep, yeah peep
2: yeah. show
3: and things like that yeah. people reckon. Um, yeah. yeah yeah yes okay then that case i do remember
0: <laughs> but it... mm. the, the other thing i like it, it, it with this is that it, it brings doctor who into the sort of place that people live i mean I, I, okay not everyone lives in a in a Gloucestershire village but nonetheless <laughs> there's there's that thing in the web of fear where the doctor can nip out because it's London, and find an electrical spare shop somewhere and mm. sort of get the stuff that he needs, but in this one it's different, you know, it, 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 he is in the middle of nowhere, he's got 20 minutes, there's no electrical spare shop to go and look for stuff it's going to have to be a bit more resourceful and he's that.
1: not He's not got the TARDIS, he's not got his Sonic it's basically yeah. James Bond's Casino Royale no gadgets, no whatever mm-hmm. we're going to set up the new guy by showing you him working on his wits Mm. and Mm. nothing else. And I think it does very well on that. I'd be amazed if Casino Royale wasn't an influence on Stephen's thinking on this, because that was such a good way of reintroducing a character people thought they knew.
2: Mm.
1: I also think the village stuff is to make it different from London, which is very similar to Russell T. Mm. I think also the thing that the village does... Is they don't have to go back to the same locations every time, mm. which they clearly don't. So it frees
3: up production a bit.
2: Yes, we've got Upper oh. Ledworth coming later in the series, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, quite. I remember some people being being a bit critical of the whole village idea because um, it's I don't know primarily the idea that uh, it's supposed to be very small and quaint and cut off, and yet it's also got enough scope for a kissogram to um, <laughs> make a. To thrive, yeah, it's it's more business it's head.
1: more kind of small town, isn't it? Is the thing, but yeah, but, you
3: know, I think so. possibly maybe it wasn't. I wonder if it was supposed to look because even though, as in a sense, the the fairy tale opening of the story ends quite hard. There's this fairy tale aspect that lingers over Ledworth, isn't there? Mm. Uh, in particular,
0: which it, so it's yeah, with Amy's choice in particular, mm. yeah.
1: I I also think you know that so part of what I see in this episode is kind of going, it's setting up things that I don't think are resolved. One of those is all the people we meet in the village. Why don't we see any of them ever again? Mm. You know, all of, all of, none of these mm. people go to Amy's wedding. No. And mm. that, that. so so what, what, they're, what they're doing, you know, they were recording episodes with an idea of where the series is going and we'll, we'll mm. record stuff now that we'll use in later episodes and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. All of that is about the sci-fi plot stuff.
3: Mm.
1: none of it is about the domestic realism yeah. of amy's life and backgrounds yeah. and that and I, th- I think that's uh with the you know i th- I think you also see that with clara's life as well mm. um, that's it, it, not where the attention is yeah, whereas yeah. rose and donna and martha i really buy the lives yeah. they come from
3: moff moffa just doesn't care about that side does it it carries forward even with Amy when once she got her parents back, we never see them again. So I think I, each, I, theory, each series almost works as a little novel in itself, and there's not a lot of continuity between them. Yeah, so I, I
1: think he, I think he cares. It's just not where his <laughs> emphasis is. It's not his priority. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: really, no. yeah,
2: and there's something to be said for the fact that yeah, you because know, she is a pseudo orphan anyway, and you know, again, the you know the connection with Vicky, in that case of yeah. just you know like it lets you it lets you get away with stuff that you. You can't, yeah. I suppose there was some thinking about thinking behind it in in the early days before it became more of a trope of the series that yes, you the doctor just took took the companion away and there was no no consideration at all. And you you'd initially had the the granddaughter and then the two teachers with at least some reference to the fact that they when they got back they you know,
1: well they, they, but they were there to
2: support each other and and then yeah and then Vicky. When she comes in, you have to say, "Okay, why does she? Why can not she go off gallivanting?"
1: I think I think the new series deals with that by by coming home. Mm. They they return home regularly. Yeah. Whereas when Doctor Who began, the idea was that if you went in the TARDIS, you'd never get home.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. So it has to be people with no connections. It has mm. to be because it's too horrific. Otherwise, you know, we never, yes. yeah. never on TV we never get a sense of ian and barbara's lives behind them they sometimes miss the school mm. but there's no sense that they've left loved ones behind because no. that's too that's too dark a thought mm. it you know it kind of underlines the cruelty of what the doctor has done by kidnapping them and mm. separating them for everyone so I, th- I think russell t having the thing of you know we return to rose's home and those characters i mean it it, it, it then becomes problematic because then the doctor has to have conversations with their mum about putting her in danger, but but it kind of shifts the way the structural way these things are
0: done.
2: Yeah, we <laughs> we all fell silent there. I, I felt like my sound dropped out.
0: Silence, silence, silence fell, yeah. didn't it? Uh, the Pandora yes, didn't open. yeah. It's a lovely story, full of yeah.
3: moffety little moffety touches. Mm. I was just going to throw a few random ones in. I like the man and the dog mm. he's he's very good at thinking up these big ideas that he just uses. gets squeezes all the juice out of them and moves on to something else. Mm. It reminded me the way uh, rather peculiar it may just be the way my mind works the, the bit with the um man and the dog the alien not understanding where the voice is supposed to come from because it's just got a shape mm. and it doesn't really understand any of the context. It reminds me of AI art. I spend rather too much time on Reddit looking at what people get out of AI art and sometimes if you give it a complicated textual description of a scene mm. but you have two subjects it can't really pass the sentence you've given it so it gets the adi- you know, it applies the attributes of the wrong wrong objects mm. and it gets confused in a similar way because it doesn't really understand anything. Mm. That's this week's AI bash. <laughs> I'll be doing... <laughs> Come back next time for more of those. I love the way he describes the crack. That's very Moffat-y. It's um, sort of poetic, but backed up with science. He says that crack isn't in the wall. If you knock down the wall, the crack will still be there. Mm. He's very good at visual. At giving you a sense without. He doesn't have to back it up with pseudo science. You, you understand. Mm. You get a much more vivid sense of what this thing is. With a nice
0: line like that. So, so look. I mean, we've we've talked about we've talked about links all the mm. way through. So, and we've we've, so we've done quite a lot of them already. I think perhaps we talked about the about the the new production block thing. We talked about parallels between Vicky and Amy. So I don't know. I mean, everything else might might just be a little bit thin. But I mean, here are some things I thought about. So we, in both cases, the technology is kind of endearingly old school. You know, you've got the the tape recorder that yeah, Coquillian slash. Um, Bennett is using what's his face, Barrett. Bennett, yeah, yeah, Bennett. Yeah, and then the phones. You know, they they they, they look kind of a bit um, a bit yeah. out there. <laughs> Both of them. There's a sort of return trip. Although you in the first one you haven't seen Doctor's first visit to Dido, but uh, everything's changed by the time he comes back a second time. Let's see whether you like that one or not.
2: I think one other interesting um, one connection is. Um, which we haven't gone into really is prisoners fugitives from justice we have in both both cases the the companion to be is growing up in or like in in close proximity to a to a prisoner or fugitive from justice and we don't really see the effects of Prisoner Zero apart from the fact that it can it's able to mimic Amy we don't quite see it doing a psychological having done or we don't see the evidence of it having done a psychological number on Amy in the same way that Coquillian that slash Bennett has on on Vicky
1: Oh I, th- I think you do mm. I think you do, I think there's two things that that's made me realise one mm. of which is that both Coquillian and Prisoner Zero kill loads of people off screen mm. because mm. just before Olivia Colman appears with the kids we're told that the, the nice Doctor and various mm. other staff members have all been killed Yes, and the suggestion is that that has actually happened mm. so like Bennett Coquillian there's just been this horrific murder spree mm. but also I actually made a note of it there's that bit where Prisoner Zero gets in Amy's head and basically because she's watched her for 12 mm. years yes and she says what a disappointment she's been
2: oh, and that's it. Yes.
1: There's mm. a really kind of manipulative mm. that that that's the that's the kind of thing with Prisoner Zero. Prisoner Zero is very un- is very violent, but also mm. very manipulative and tricksy. Mm. And that's yeah. That, now you say it, I hadn't really made that connection, but now you mm. say it, I can see there's something similar going on with Coquillian there.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and they both like a good disguise too. It right. doesn't. True, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really get to to understand what the alien civilization is. You know, neither the the people have died. Mm. I mean, they they they're kind of a bit mysterious. They don't seem to like the idea of the rescue ship. They were very nice when the Doctor first came around, but apparently all that genocide has has turned them a bit. <laughs> also, they, they 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 kind of quite like cosplaying as. Kind of spiky aliens when William Hartnell was around first time, but now they they don't really look like that most mm. of the time. I don't know, it, it, It's slightly inconsistent. But then you know, uh, uh, we're doing a carp, and equally, I suppose with with the the big thing with us with a the attraction. eye that goes around yeah. the spaceships. We do, yeah. We we do we mm. we don't learn very much about them, but we don't need to. No, they're both simple. Sto- they're both deliberately simple mm. stories because they're
3: mostly about character
1: and, and they're mostly about focus. the establishing our relationship to the new characters. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. so our focus is not on these alien cultures.
2: Mm.
1: And the yep. alien cultures have to be quite broadly mm. sketched yeah, in do it. as yeah. just an antagonist basically. Mm. Yeah. But I think I think what 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 that really means is that although these two stories look very different and feel very different because of the pace and you know the 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 way programs are made nowadays or or, or 50 years apart actually what's going on is you've got a production team who are faced with the same problem Hmm. which is how do you keep this thing going and can you keep it going by changing characters that are well loved and well established Hmm. and actually really for all that the look and the structure of making television has changed, they're going at it in the same way. I find, I find that really interesting and quite revealing.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. I think that says it all. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe maybe as a sort of closing piece, you, they introduce the new companion into the TARDIS using surprisingly similar words. So, so in the, the rescue, the Doctor says, my dear, why don't you come with us? And Vicky says, in that old box, Mm. the doctor says, well, we can travel anywhere and everywhere in that old box, regardless of space Mm. and time. And then Amelia says, it's just a box. How can a box have engines? And the doctor says, it's not a box. It's a time machine. A real one, says Amelia. And then a bit later on to Amy, he says, all of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will, where do you want to start? And I mean, you know, of course... He's still using the same Moffat. lines isn't he
3: basically <laughs> Well he yeah I
0: mean I mean I mean I mean you operation. know of course Moffat is aware of of the rescues watched mm. the rescue but nonetheless the words come out in kind of similar ways Okay well before we all turn into pumpkins I'll do the closing bit So thanks for listening to Something Who if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and review our podcast and if you look at our f- podcast feed there's about 100 other um, episodes for you to listen to while you're waiting for us to get round to recording the next one, and we've got features on all of the anniversary stories if you want to get into the or sort of 60th anniversary mood. If you like something, who please tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours, and the hairdresser. I mean, look, you know where where they're going to go? You've you've, you've got uh, you know plenty of time to uh, tell them about all the stuff. That, that you love, even, even if, like me, it's your wife with some electric clippers. <laughs> but if you hate us, don't tell a soul. <laughs> so, look, thanks thanks to our con- contributors. Let me see if I can get my teeth in. Thanks to our contributors, Paul, Giles and Simon. So, yeah, thanks very much for for your thoughts and bringing those stories to life.
1: Thank you. What a joy to do. I've really enjoyed this. As I say, it's, it's opened up these episodes in ways that I'd have never anticipated.
3: Fantastic! It's the joy of the Something Who format. It's a pleasure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We did
2: occasionally strike gold. Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you for bringing your research. Absolutely. It's fascinating. Enabling me to to coast. (laughs) I like it when people know what they're talking about. (laughs)
0: Let's not go too far. (laughs) Yeah. And we look forward to bringing you some more Something Who soon. But bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.
3: Really flagging. I've got a gas man coming in the morning. Oh moment.
0: dear. <laughs> oh right.
3: What's they, on the Tuesday morning. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah. The other one, the, the other moffat touch was the fa- that bit where the um the doctor says realizes he's missed something. The camera zooms back round, and that's very Sherlocky, isn't it? Which of course he's wor- wasn't he working on it at exactly the same time? So um, that must have been the way his mind was going. That's probably a very obvious thing to point out. So we haven't missed anything by not yeah.
0: including that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Says Bridge.
0: You know, it's a good job. I don't that. know. I'm 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 just looking right. at my thing and trying to stop the recording. Stop.
2: Uh, Ian Martyr actually died while before he completed the rescue, and Nigel Robinson finished it off, although he's not credited. According to uh, and according to Wikipedia, Robinson recalled having to make very few changes to Martyr's work. But noted that he cut an entire scene from the first chapter discussing fellatio, as Martha did have, a, as Martha did have a tendency to see how much he could get away with. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how that would fit in. T-
1: <laughs> I made a documentary last year about Mary Whitehouse. In going through her diaries, I did find um, one of the pages in her diary from the late 70s i think was labeled doctor who scum which i just thought was <laughs> Cause, cause she, she was she was addressing violence in doctor who and also the drive <laughs> 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 i did i did take a picture and send that to peter mm-hmm. Ware, going you'll never believe what i found um, <laughs> very good <laughs> I, fe- I felt like she'd spotted me
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to identify as Doctor Who Scum. Sorry, that has just,
1: clap. I think, in clapping, I managed to turn that off. That was clever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is that a special <laughs> Mac feature? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, QuickTime just shut, so
0: that might <laughs> have... It, 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 it's like um, uh, it's shot in the dark, isn't it? Where they're trying to synchronise watches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, and watch has stopped. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Can we do uh, synchronizing again?
0: Why not? Hello, hello.
2: Sorry, are we on? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, you, you are. are. Um,
3: I thought I heard some, a ghostly voice. I just thought I, I, don't, I, I don't heard a that. ghostly voice I
0: say hello. 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 Yeah. I th- I, 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 I'm I having a I think Simon might is struggling. But keep going, Frozen. Ah, okay.